It's interesting. I think I'm famous for a couple of things. Probably the fact that I cry too often, which we'll, we've already noted, um, and that hashtag I love being a dad. Hi, welcome to the Preboot Cincy podcast. My name is Eric Sillis, and I am your host. This is the 12th episode of the Preboot Cincy podcast, and actually the second in season two, a season dedicated entirely to telling the stories of Cincinnati entrepreneurs. And today we're sitting down with Keith Knapp, founder of Ohio Valley Reclaimed. But Keith also gets to be an entrepreneur in one of the biggest organizations in the world. And on top of that, his story will also involve a tier or two. So grab a Kleenex and stay tuned. Yeah, so Ohio Valley Reclaimed um, is a small little side business, a side hustle, if you will, um, that I started at the beginning of this year, um, and it's a it's a it's a small little woodworking business um, that's really designed to um, create the foundations for new memories um, from that which has been forgotten. So salvage materials, reclaimed materials, um, old furniture um, turned into new furniture. Uh, and that's really a lot of what we like to do and what a, what a lot of what I like to do is find um, and uncover the beauty um, in something that someone else has considered trash. And for Keith, that really is why he does it. He loves turning old things into new memories, things that people may have otherwise forgotten about into something beautiful that you want to show off. And he does everything from the big to the small. So at Ohio Valley Reclaimed, we do a lot of everything. So, uh, or a little bit of everything, I guess, would be a better way to put it. We do, um, you know, some of the things on the website, um, like you said, are desk items. So we have desk lamps and, and iPhone stands. Uh, we do custom coffee tables and co- like farmhouse style tables. Um, and then kind of anything in between that, uh, you'll find it. So cutting boards, coasters, um, and we do a lot of custom orders as well. So um, actually one of the biggest uh, kind of, I guess one of the biggest catalysts for growth for me has been word of mouth and custom orders. So um, that's something that I absolutely love uh, doing as well. And since he makes so many things, I had to ask Keith, what is the most popular item that he makes? Uh, I think the most popular item is, far, I mean, they're farmhouse tables. Every, everybody calls and asks for a farmhouse table. It's reclaimed wood is one of the top Pinterest trends for the past two years running. Um, and if you go out and just search reclaim wood anywhere, like the first thing that pops up is a farmhouse table. So um, a lot of people are asking for those. Um, it, I wouldn't necessarily it's my favorite, say it's my favorite item. Um, I love making them because I really love the fact that um, real memories and real stories are built around those tables. Um, but they're big and they take a lot, up a lot of space in the small garage slash workshop that I get the opportunity to work out of. So um, if I had to say what's my favorite item, I absolutely love um, cutting boards and um, I, I have a desk table lamp that I really like to make because um, they're small. And it really gives me a, a unique opportunity to find um, inconsistencies or uniquenesses in pieces of wood and custom fit them for that purpose. So, um, like I said, I work with reclaimed materials, and a lot of the reason that materials become thrown away or trashed is because they don't—they're not consistent. So they're not useful for a lot of other 
applications. Um, but I can find those knots and those rips and those tears and turn them into features versus flaws. And um, I, those are like cutting boards and lamps are a really good place to do that. Here on the Preview Podcast, we say that we want to tell the stories of everyday entrepreneurs, people just like Keith, starting businesses literally out of their garage. We also say that we want to tell the stories before the startup. And what that means is we want to focus on how they got to where they are today. Not just how they built their business, not just the keys to success, but the things that actually led up to them starting their business, where the idea came from, how they honed their passion and their skill. And so for Keith, I wanted to know, did he always plan on being a professional woodworker or was this something that he just kind of stumbled upon by accident? I mean, it's, it's interesting. So professionally, I, the answer to that is absolutely not. Um, personally, the answer is, I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot in you know, personal history that pr- might have, if you really go back and start digging into it, maybe like, maybe like there's something written on the wall somewhere that said Keith was going to be a maker. Um, but professionally, I, you know, I graduated with a degree in political science, pre-law and legal studies and thought for sure I was headed off to law school. Um, went to work in a congressional office to raise some money to go to law school. And at the time, the deputy chief of staff there had made it, I think, his personal mission um, to dissuade people interested in law school from going to law school. He was an attorney himself, and his whole point of view was, if you're not going to be a lawyer, don't go to law school. And I wanted to be a lobbyist. So he's like, don't go to law school. So went back to start getting an MBA. But I spent a couple years in the congressional office. just looking for additional growth, uh, made a transition to into account management um, for a, a, a national um, trade association. Um, and during my time there, actually got the opportunity to quickly transition from account management into uh, congressional affairs. So I got the opportunity to do the lobbying that I thought I wanted to do. Um, and it was an interesting role, uh, I guess you could say, but I found out pretty quickly that it wasn't what I wanted to do. So um, that I thought was an awesome opportunity for me to really quickly um, realize that I needed to find another path. Keith has the story that a lot of people have, not just entrepreneurs. He set out to do something that he thought was going to be his dream job, only to find out that maybe it wasn't what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. It's not that he didn't like what he was doing. He just decided that there might be other things that he wanted to try out. And so he did. And so along the way, he also learned another valuable skill, the art of the side hustle. One of the nice things about being in that, in that space, in that trade association, it was an office full of people that had a lot of things going on. So the executive director at the time um, kind of, I think, started to feel that, started to realize that there was maybe other ways to, um, for, for me to grow. Um, and kind of said, hey, Keith, like as long as you keep getting your work done here, like I would love for you to t- try out other things. Um, and so I had the opportunity at that time to also go do some side work for Marketplace Earth, which was an Internet marketing company here in Cincinnati. Um, did account management um, and did some process build out for you know, website design and development. We did video production. We did social media consulting, SEO. Um, all that kind of work, um, did that for about a year and a half, kind of on the side of doing the trade association work. Um, and then during that time also met a guy coming out of the first class of the brandery running a small company called venture packs, um, which was basically Foursquare for the outdoors. 
And I was super jazzed about that. So went to work for him as well. So there was a point in time there where I was actually um, working full time at a national trade association. I was spending 20 to 30 hours nights and weekends working for an internet marketing company and then spending 20 or 30 hours nights and weekends, mornings and weekends also working for a startup. If you're having a hard time keeping up, don't worry. You're not alone. When I was first taking notes of Key Story, I had to clarify a couple different times just to make sure that I was actually getting the details correct. Here's the basic gist. In the first few years coming out of school, Keith had a lot of different jobs. And he was in each of them for one and a half, maybe two years. And a lot of them actually ended up overlapping, just as Keith said, working nights and weekends on two, sometimes three different jobs at once. But it wasn't just his professional life that was going through a lot of change at this time. Actually, a year after I had joined the congressional office, my wife and I got engaged. A year after that, we got married. Um, a little over a year and a half after that, we had our first daughter. Um, all of that kind of built into you know that short period of time meant always crazy. Um, and I think that actually has kind of trained me or prepared me a little bit to deal with the the beauty that is the side hustle um, because almost anything that gets thrown at me I'm like ah, done that before not that big of a deal like a little bit a little bit less sleep here um, a little bit more anxiety here uh, maybe more gray hair or less hair um, you know one way or the other I feel like I've dealt with that stress and um, have kind of learned to love it to some extent so with all that going on did did you ever did you ever get advice to, to seek something a little bit more stable, more permanent? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I was the, I'm the son of a DIY tinkerer and, um, my dad was, was very much like that and, um, was also raised to some extent by my grandfather. Uh, we called him Paul Paul. Um, he was at my mom's dad. And so my dad, like I said, was kind of a hustler himself. He worked in construction for 20 years and was gone a lot. Um, on the road. My mom worked as a nurse at night. Um, and so during the day, my siblings and I were kind of raised by our grandparents. They lived not too far away from us and we got to spend a lot of time with them. Um, and Papa was really like, uh, like a second dad to me. Um, and I, you know, I break a little bit when I start talking about Papa because that's how much he means to me. Um, but yeah, raised by Paul Paul and like I learned so much from him. And you mentioned like, did anybody ever like push you for something more? And he always did. Um, his whole life was was built around relationships and connections. Um, and I think a lot of that came from the fact that he spent his entire career um, at GE. Um, and he built uh, their plant in Saudi Arabia, opened up some of their plants um, in the South. He spent a lot of time away from his family uh, as well. Um, but his entire life was all about finding the good. Um, and he had to do that, right? He was born in 1917. He started working right in the middle of the Great Depression. So um, his entire story was all about figuring out how to find a bootstrap to pull on in the first place. Um, and that absolutely got built into myself. If you ever get the chance to talk to Keith about his grandpa, it can't help but bring a smile to your face. You can just see how much he means to him. And eventually Keith did take his grandpa's advice. He did get that stable job at one of the biggest companies in the world, Procter & Gamble. And the timing is kind of poetic. 
Um, I'm gonna, I, I broke, um, and the reason I broke is he, um, he actually passed away a week before I started at PNG. And he was, his whole, um, his whole vision for us was that we found something that could support us and our families that we would eventually build. Um, and he knew that I had landed the job at PNG and passed away pretty shortly after that. I'm honestly not so sure that I could script a better story than the one that Keith has. It's beautiful. And seeing how much it means to Keith makes it that much more impactful. But Keith's grandpa's influence was not just in helping him land his big boy job. He taught him a lot about life, about values, about hard work and craftsmanship. A lot of the things that make Keith the man he is today. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing that Papa always taught us was to care for whatever it was you had. Um, and that came, tr- that was true in everything. I remember I, when I, he first taught me to cut the grass, I was cutting grass on a snapper that was probably older than he was um, because he, he cared for it. And s- like scattered throughout his house and through the homes of my parents and my aunts and uncles were um, like, products and pieces that he had made himself so he was also a tinkerer had a workshop in his basement um it that kind of care and attention to detail is something that he absolutely taught us um and it's the fact that he took it is so obvious when you look at the things that he um that he that he built um there's some shelves and some coffee tables in my parents house that um, I absolutely love, and I think that's probably what has informed the aesthetic that I use today, um, is like the nicks and the scratches and the wear that has come along with um, those things being used um, in places where memories are built. So, um, yeah, I mean, that kind of craftsmanship and, and attention to detail is absolutely something that he taught us. And Keith takes all those lessons, and he applies them every time he steps foot in his garage. But it's not just the lessons that Keith is still using. It's actually some of the very tools that he first learned those lessons with. Um, and he, he was a fantastic teacher in that he stood literally right over your shoulder um, and cared for every piece of the process the same way that, um, that I do in the workshop today. So, uh, I mean, the first time I learned how to use a hammer, um, I wasn't wasn't holding it right. I actually think recently I took a picture on Instagram of that hammer um, and kind of joked about the fact that the first time I, I used it, um, I, I was too small to hold it on the handle. And he was like, no, that's not the right way to do it. I mean, I'm probably not even five years old. And he's like, you're supposed to hold the handle. And, um, and that hammer is just one of many. One of the many tools that Keith inherited when his grandfather passed away. Tools that are littered around his workshop that he still uses every single day. And one day, Keith decided he was going to use those tools to make something. Woodworking and like crafting and making has been something that I've done for a long time. Um, like I mentioned, like about three years ago was the f- one of the first things I actually made for sharing. Um, and it, were, it was some stools that I had made for my mother and mother-in-law um, for them to use when they were playing with our daughter. Um, and they turned out really well. And then so I made a couple other things and those things turned out really well. And 
one of the things that I think led me to actually create um, that, I guess, really kind of one of the big catalysts for me actually officially launching Ohio Valley Reclaimed was the fact that all of those requests um, were starting to pile up to the point where I was like, man, if I don't start a business, somebody's going to come after me, <laughs> right? There was just additional funds um, that had come from kind of nowhere that um, I felt it, it just felt like the right thing to do to start the business. And that was like, my wife said like, why don't you just do it just go for it? Um, so you were worried the IRS was going to start asking questions. What's all this yeah, extra I guess money? It was like maybe the IRS or maybe, I don't know, neighbors. I don't know who it was, but yeah, I mean, there was like orders were coming in and, um, I had kind of set a goal for myself at the beginning of the year. Like, Hey, let's, let's drive sales up a little bit. Like we'll run a couple of marketing campaigns and see what happens. And, um, by the, you know, by the blessing of word of mouth, um, that goal became kind of a laughing matter in literally a couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the reality is, uh, you know, it, it came time where the business had grown, I guess, or the side hustle had grown enough that it had grown out of its like non real state. Um, it needed needed to have a name, so we put one to it. The crazy thing about the side hustle is, I remember when I launched the website, I was at a family party and I had was like building the website on my phone. It was kind of great. I mean, it's I guess a quick message or encouragement to makers or to crafters out there. It is so easy, and the tools are so easy to use to create whatever it is you want to create. Like there is no barrier to entry on this kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I literally built almost my entire website on a, an iPhone. And so just like that, last Christmas, Ohio Valley Reclaimed went from being just a little hobby business to being an official company with its own website and brand. But along with that means more work, more energy, more time and effort. And Keith already has a family and a full-time job. And so I want to know how he was going to balance all of these things. And we're going to get that answer. But before we do that, we want to take a break for a new segment. A segment we're calling Garage Stories. For years, the garage has been the center of the American entrepreneurial story. It's the place where dreams are turned into reality. Where the first prototypes are made. Where the first inventory is stocked. And it's a place of late nights and early mornings. And it's also the place where Braxton Brewing Company got their start. Brewing beer in their garage just because they loved it. And Braxton wants to celebrate these entrepreneurs. So much so that right in the middle of their taproom, they put a giant garage door. And behind that garage door is a co-working space where you will find entrepreneurs working hard to turn their dream into a reality. Entrepreneurs like Matt Hoffman. Hey, I'm Matt Hoffman and I run Novel Creative. Basically what I do at Novel is I help brands refine their identity, um, design their brand, and then craft a story uh, and share their truth with the people that will care about it. But starting Novel Creative wasn't as easy as Matt hoped it was going to be. Yeah, so it's an interesting story uh, that I can get into some other time, but... Um, Basically, I was going to start the brand with uh, a couple other business partners. Uh, that fell through. They said that I could keep the brand, uh, so I just kind of launched it. So instead of trying to find a different job, Matt decided to go for it because at the end of the day, he just believes in what he's building. You know, the cliche answers, you know, my faith, my family, my friends. Uh, but beyond that, it's it's 
just this vision to, to build something that's meaningful, that's compelling, uh, and that can actually make a difference in people's lives. Matt says he likes to work with compassionate brands, people who really care about their users, and specifically with startups. I think that when you're in the early phases of, of, your, of your brand or your business, uh, it's when you're the most passionate and it's when you care the most about what you care about. So I, I, you know, I love the startup community. I love the, the mom and pop shops, the small businesses. I love all those, uh, you know, all those kind of, I guess, genres for lack of a better word. And so if you're looking to start out or refine your brand, Matt can basically help you do it all. Uh, are having a hard time getting a following. You're having a hard time uh, getting people to kind of latch on to your message. That's what I help with. I help you refine your identity, I help you design your brand, and I help you share your truth with those people in a way that's going to have them uh, follow you, not just buy from you or give to you, but to follow you and join you in what you're doing. That is Matt Hoffman, founder of Novel Creative. If you'd like to learn more or see what Matt could do for you, you can do that at novelcincy.com or check him out on Facebook or Instagram. Braxton Brewing Company. Lift one to life. And now, back to the show. Actually, before we get back to the show, it's worth taking an extra minute here just to say that Matt Hoffman is the one who did the logo for Ohio Valley Reclaimed. And if you listen to episode 10, you actually heard Keith talk about how much time and effort Matt put into designing that logo, which is actually a replica of his papa's handwriting. So when Matt says he likes to work with people who care, I think he means it. Okay, back to the show, for real this time. Yeah, so um, I have the unique, um, I guess, blessing that I don't require a lot of sleep. Um, I think there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs that are like that, um, but I traditionally wake up at 5 or 5.30 in the morning, and I get an opportunity to spend usually three straight hours working out in the garage um, the other benefit that I have is that my workshop is in my garage, so I can wake up and within five minutes, I'm already through a cup of coffee and already in the process of making whatever's on the whatever's on the board. Um, but uh, usually three hours each morning, and then um, I the weekends. I usually get a pretty good opportunity to work um, four or five hours per day on the weekend. So, I mean, when you add all that up, that turns into, you know, 15 to 25 to 30 hours pretty quick. Do you ever feel burnt out by it? I don't think I do. I mean, some, there are times when it's harder to wake up in the morning. Um, and I think those are the times when I don't have like a really pressing order at hand. When I'm going out and making when, it, when there isn't a specific demand, it's a little bit trickier. Um, but if I've got an order that's got to go out, like I absolutely love it. Like I know that I'm crafting something that somebody has requested or asked for. Um, I think that's one of the benefits also of working on demand, um, is that I always know who I'm building that, um, that piece for, um, and I can keep them kind of in the back of the back of my head, um, and kind of think about the stories that they might create around whatever it is I'm making. Knowing you in the little capacity I do. There's a few things that I know are true about you. You love what you do mm -hmm. and you love your family. Absolutely. How do you balance, what, what's your family's role in this? Yeah, how so do you, it's- How do you balance that? It's, a, um, it's interesting. I think I'm famous for a couple of things. Probably the fact that I cry too often, which we'll, we've already noted. 
Um, and that hashtag I love being a dad. Um, I use it all the time for folks who know me um, personally. Um, they know that that's absolutely true. Um, and the balance has been an interesting one. Um, I think especially through the winter when it was harder to have the girls um, out with me while I was working. Um, the garage isn't. So Keith goes on to explain how his kids have a pretty unique sleeping schedule. They go to bed pretty late at night, actually the same time that he and his wife do. But that also means that they sleep in really late every single morning, which means not only does Keith have every day before work, he also has four to five hours on Saturday to work exclusively on Ohio Valley Reclaimed without having to miss out on any time with his kids, which is really important to him. In fact, if he ever had to make a decision between the side business that he loves or his family, it's not even a contest. The choice is clear. If I was infringing on family time in a substantive way, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it because um, that, that's like absolutely number one for me. Um, it, there are times um, when demand has required me to work maybe a little bit of the, you know, a little bit extra on the weekends. Um, and when I'm doing that, like Noel, who's my five, five-year-old, um, is like out in the garage with me. Um, Gracelyn, who's just um, under two, she'll be two in May, um, is like running around as well. Like I actually went and picked up um, some wood a couple of nights ago. So have kind of started to move into some nights now that the weather's nicer. Um, and they like went with me. They, they loved it. I was, you know, throwing wood into the back of the truck and they were kind of, you know, playing around, kicking dirt. And... But sometimes he still has to put in a few extra hours. And then Ohio Valley Reclaimed becomes almost like a family business where his girls join him in the garage. And they get to see the attention and the care and the detail that he puts into every single piece that he makes. It's actually becoming something like a legacy. Passed down from grandfather to father to Keith and now to Keith's daughters. Four generations of people working hard and working together. Um, you know, I got an opportunity when I was a kid to watch my dad do a lot of that stuff um, and to be around it. And I think giving them the opportunity to watch their dad do a lot of that stuff um, is kind of important to me. They get to see that hustle and hopefully some of that gets burnt into them as well. All right, before we move any further into the Ohio Valley Reclaim story, I think it's important that we give a little bit more context to Keith's greater story. As we already mentioned, Keith got a job at one of the biggest companies in the world, Procter & Gamble. But once he got inside P&G, he still spent some time trying to find exactly what he wanted to do and what his niche would be. But we'll let him tell the story. A little bit non-traditional. I started in communications, um, jumped into a social engagement strategy role, um, straight out of the bat, moved over into a marketing brand management role um, in new business creation. So um, that was about uh, almost four years ago now, and that organization has transitioned into PNG Ventures. Um, so it's really interesting because I have the unique opportunity to be an entrepreneur without having to find money um, inside of the biggest company in Cincinnati or one of the biggest companies in Cincinnati. Um, and at the same time, I'm running this really small like side hustle on the side. So they play really well together. Um, and that organization is unique in that it attracts hustlers in a unique kind of a way. Um, there's, there's side businesses all over the place. Um, 
my director um, ran her own company for a while. I have a colleague that has their side business, which is like T-shirts and artifacts. And um, there's, you know, there's um, entrepreneurship surrounds us there, which is fantastic. But we've already talked so much in this episode about how hard it is to balance a full-time job and a side hustle, especially a growing side hustle. And most people who start businesses on the side of a day job do it with the goal to eventually leave that day job, to grow their business big enough that they can do that full time. And so I wanted to know, was this Keith's plan? If Ohio Valley Reclaimed continued to grow, was Keith planning to leave that secure job at Procter & Gamble? For many, this is a tricky question, but Keith has a pretty strong answer. A lot of people ask me that question, um, and it's been a, a question that I've gotten more and more often is the name has grown. Um, and the answer to that, at least as far as I can tell now, is absolutely not. Um, for those that are listening, they can't necessarily tell, but I'm a millennial. And one of the things that's true about millennials is that we have this weird, blind notion that we're going to somehow change the world. Um, and I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm not going to change the world making tables, um, but working in a new business capacity inside of a company that reaches billions of people per day, um, there is a very real um, opportunity to change the world. Um, And I know that might sound a little idealistic or naive, but um, that dream that a new brand or a new product can have a dramatic impact um, to a particular person somewhere in this world, more so than just creating a really comfortable place for them to have their dinner, um, is something that absolutely keeps me running into the office every day. Um, There is not an ache of, I want to leave inside of me. Um, In fact, the things that I learn at Ohio Valley Reclaimed um, make me more excited to go into work in a lot of cases. But balancing all of this is not easy. And honestly, it's not just managing your time that can be tricky. It's managing your passion and your energy. Showing up every day to that day job. And not being distracted. Or working on the side hustle. For a lot of people, this is really hard. But Keith, he just loves everything that he's doing right now. Um, I think it's all about being your authentic self all the time. One of the things that um, people talk a lot about is bringing your whole self to work um, and like how do people balance that? Like for me, it's never really been a question as to whether I'll bring my entire self to work because all that I am in and outside of a building, whether it's the PNG building or my garage or um, at gymnastics class with my daughters, like everything that I do, like all of those pieces working together make each of the other pieces stronger. It's kind of like a, an arch, right? An arch without one particular piece is, ceases to be an arch um, and ceases to have any strength. So without all those pieces playing together, like the, I think the foundation becomes... And at the end of the day, Keith would rather be busy than bored. He'd rather be building something that he's excited about, that he gets to pour himself into than sitting around wishing he had something else to do. For Keith, he figures if he's going to have a hobby, then it might as well be a business. I think boredom can, in a lot of cases, be one's greatest demise. And by adding lots of things and by having lots of pulls, there's never an opportunity for me to be bored. 
Um, but it's not just about being busy. It's also about doing things that he loves to do. And it doesn't take long, whether you're sitting down with Keith or honestly just looking at his Instagram, to realize that he loves working with reclaimed wood. Because he sees so much more than a piece of wood. He sees a past with a story. But he also sees the potential for an even better future, to become something new again. Working with reclaimed wood, um, to me, is, is really unique in that I get to create the foundations for new memories um, and new stories from something that w- would have otherwise been wasted or would have been garbage. And for me, that's really um, powerful and incredible because there's so much in this world um, that uh, to the untrained eye looks like garbage. Um, but when appropriately cared for and um, when treated with the, with the right respect can turn into something that is cherished. All right, before we end our episode, I always like to ask our guests, what is one piece of advice you would give to aspiring entrepreneurs? Or if you had to do it all over again, what would you do different? And Keith's answer, well, it might seem familiar to some of you. As you may remember, Keith was on an episode 10, the last episode of season one. And that episode was entirely focused on the importance of having a good support network, a good community around you when you're being an entrepreneur. And for Keith, that really is the number one thing that he wants to stress. Yeah, I think the one piece of advice that I would um, that I would give is that you have to have a support system around you. Um, I mentioned obviously my wife and kids. I've mentioned um, the mentors and teachers that have helped me along the way. Um, one thing that I haven't necessarily mentioned yet are the people that literally have helped me build this business. Um, I, Eric, you and I have talked in the past about a couple of the people that have helped me specifically, um, you know, other entrepreneurs in the city, people that I've worked with in past jobs, um, friends. Those are the kinds of um, networks and communities that you have to build if you want to have a company. Um, because like you mentioned before, the early mornings, the late nights, the constant pulls, the busy weekends are not easy. Um, and doing it alone, while I am a single maker, it's definitely not alone. In the next episode of the Preboot Cincy podcast, we're going to sit down with Blake Smith, founder and CEO of Cladwell. And Blake has had his fair share of adversity trying to launch this business. And we're going to have a clip from that episode in just a minute. But if you want to make sure that you don't miss that episode, the best thing you can do is hit subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts. Maybe like the one you're listening to right now. Just click the little subscribe button. It's that easy. And if you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you would consider sharing it. And if you wonder, well, what's in it for me? I'm glad you asked. Because my friend Doug Burns at the Rivertown Inquiry has generously said that he would give away one of his Cincy is for Dreamer shirts for every episode this season. All you have to do is share a link to this episode using the hashtag Cincy is for Dreamers. Again, that's hashtag Cincy is for Dreamers. And go ahead and tag at Preboot Podcast on either Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter in that post just to make sure that I don't miss it. That way, your name will be entered into the drawing to win one of the Cincy is for Dreamer shirts from Doug Burns and the Rivertown Inquiry.
And while you're at it, feel free to check out all the other awesome stuff that Doug has at his shop at therivertowninquiry.com. Thanks again, Doug, for supporting this podcast and all the amazing entrepreneurs in Cincinnati. And now, a clip from the next episode. I was on a jog uh, running home one day, and all of a sudden I started thinking about all those no's that I got. And all of a sudden I noticed like myself starting to like cry. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Something is not right in my world. And that like, I realized like I had just shoved down all that rejection and everything because it's hard and like you just can't handle it. You have to compartmentalize it. Um, and so it was really weird and it kind of took a little bit of unpacking. It took a little bit of time to get to a spot of like maybe normalcy again. Um, but uh, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. But at the same time, what a, it's a fun story now.